This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Thursday, February 9th, 2012. I'm Caleb Brown. Eisenhower warned us of an unwieldy military-industrial complex, but as a former university president, he also understood the dependency that comes with federal research dollars. That tension between academic integrity and research funding is coming to clearer focus as universities realize that their research may be curtailed because of tighter military controls. Chris Preble, Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute, comments. New rules that uh, the Defense Department uh, is considering would perhaps change the degree to which universities are participate in research for uh, the Defense Department, as our colleague Jim Harper pointed out, uh, that if you live by the military-industrial complex, you die by the military-industrial complex. So uh, you say that this was foreseeable and uh, and foreseen. That's right. I mean, I think for libertarians, there's all. It's pretty obvious that the the danger that federal money could have a, 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 a could certainly influence and perhaps be a pernicious influence on. Uh, research and the direction of research is, is longstanding. But if you go back to uh, Dwight Eisenhower's famous farewell address, um, you know people remember the line, the military-industrial complex, they remember the line, the scientific-technical elite. But just before that passage, he warned of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, and the power of money. He said this is ever-present and is gravely to be regarded. In other words, Eisenhower understood that the the growing dependence of the uh, educational establishment, universities, labs, on government money uh, could and likely would uh, influence the direction of their research uh, over the years. And he was right. We have to remember, you know, Eisenhower didn't have a lot of experience outside of the uh, outside of the army, but his one other job was as president of Columbia University. And in the early days, uh, as, as president of that institution, he started to see this. It was in the early 50s, uh, at a time when, as he explained in his speech, you know, research could no longer be done on blackboards. The cost associated with high-powered computing and other those technologies was almost inevitably coming from the government, and he was very worried about the corrupting influence this would have. When I've written about this and talked about this since we had we had the conference here at Cato a couple of years ago, of course, and uh, we wrote and talked about it a lot over the course of the year, um, I think a lot of people miss this angle in Eisenhower's critique. Um, but again, it's very logical for those of us at Cato who are very um, are very wary of government funding in general, and especially for this institute, for the scholars here, precisely because we see the corrupting influence can have. It's very, very subtle. It's not as though people change their conclusions or, or, or alter their findings. That does happen, but that's very rare. It's much more subtle than that, where people confine themselves to certain narrow topics that they believe are acceptable or, or don't rock the boat too much. Uh, and that's precisely the kind of thing that you would expect in an academic institution, an academic setting, for people to be pushing the boundaries. And I do think that because of the very, very um, heavy influence and the, and the enormous sums of money that the federal government uh, lavishes on colleges and universities these days, uh, that it is almost inevitable uh, that, their, um, that their research will be constrained in that way. So in this narrow case, we're talking about a rule change, 
what you would hope for, and I think many libertarians would hope for, would be just a fundamental reappraisal of what we need uh, these research dollars to do and uh, focusing on the most important aspects of U.S. security. Right. I mean, I would never question the U.S. government's uh, ability and authority to fund research that is essential to our security. But the funding of basic research, that is research that may pay dividends over very, very long periods of time, um, that is in a different category altogether. It seems to me that's precisely the kind of research that should be funded by foundations and private initiative and, and frankly, the profit motive, among other things. the rule here in question is interesting because it also touches upon another problem whenever the government gets involved. It has to do with secrecy and security and the and the, the publication of findings and how those findings are disseminated. We know that the government um, uh, places a, a very, very high premium, far too high, on keeping things secret. Their, their procedures are heavily slanted in that direction, not away from openness and towards uh, you know, secrecy and, and, and keeping it out of the view of the public. And, and I think that, again, the universities are not in a strong position to object to these kinds of rules when they are at the same time taking the money. As Jim says, if you accept this money, then you must live by these rules. And the alternative, uh, which very few universities are willing to, to take, is to uh, divest themselves of federal support and say, we will conduct our research based on um, you know, the, the funding that we can raise in the private sector, tuition from students, and things like that. The question really is then, is that practical? Is, is it practical for universities uh, that are so heavily dependent upon federal support uh, to go cold turkey or even to wean themselves off of this? And I don't think it's realistic to do so over a very short ter- term. But I think they should recognize the long-term effects and be planning now to wean themselves off of these dollars. Again, this doesn't just cross into Jim Harper's area. This is Neil McCluskey as well who's talked about this often. Um, there are a few you know, small colleges who have, as a matter of principle, um, refused to accept federal money as, as part of their charter. Um, there are labs and, and other institutions, not of learning per se, that have done the same. Uh, and I think that, that when a, a story like this breaks, where someone in the, in the university sector who is heavily dependent upon funding from the government complains about these rules, they really aren't in a very strong position uh, to, to make those kinds of claims. If anything, they, they play into the arguments of those who have, again, on a principled basis, refused to accept those monies. Chris Preble is Vice President for Defense and Foreign Policy Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work at Cato.org.